1: Good afternoon everyone. I trust you're having a great day. Well, as you know, there are a lot of hopes being placed on the fact that 2022 could represent a turning point after two years of pandemic restrictions that have severely limited tourism and local development. Well, one of the municipalities that is ramping up in anticipation of Come Home Year and the restoration of the local tourism industry as well as a lot of other exciting news is the beautiful city of Corner Brook. And my guest today is is the mayor Jim Parsons? He joins me now. Hello, hi Linda. How are you doing? Great. So it was. It struck me, Jim, driving into work this morning. You know, we had a little bit of snow here <laughs> in the Saint John's area overnight, and uh, I was thinking as I was driving in. Well, here's winter. Okay, we've got a little bit of winter already now that we're into spring. But you're still having winter. Still lots of snow.
0: Uh, it's you know what? It's taken a real cut here in the last uh, last week or so. Um, you can, uh, you know, when that sun gets higher in the sky, it doesn't take long, of course, for a lot of those snow banks to start, uh, start uh, giving way from underneath. So, uh, uh, you know, we still have uh, uh, great conditions for uh, things like our, uh, some skiing and some uh, cross-country skiing, especially uh, snowmobiling has been uh, up and down this year, of course, depending on you know, we've had a lot of mild spells. But, uh, but generally... Uh, Of course, we've had uh, great conditions compared to uh, you guys on the East Coast, of course.
1: Well, absolutely. If you want to look for winter, you've got to head west. Yeah, head west. (laughs) And north. Um, But you've had a relatively snowy winter so far, a little bit of ups and downs, as you just indicated. Good for Marble Mountain?
0: Yeah, listen, Marble is uh, and I, and I want to throw a, a bouquet out to the uh, the folks at uh, Marble and the management crew at Marble this year. Uh, they really did, uh, I guess, give a lot of positive energy uh, and, and created a really good vibe for the resort this year. I think that there's been a lot of uncertainty. I mean, obviously, it's been an uncertain time for the resort and the different strategies employed. Uh, that story's not completely written yet. But, uh, but they definitely uh, put put effort in this year, uh, gave it a good college try, and uh, and I think uh, the response here on uh, from locals has been uh, has been great. Uh, they very positive, even when they've seen challenges because of weather and things like that. Um, the uh, there's been a lot of uh, uh, I guess positive energy, and uh, and I think it's just starting to show what could become of that resort uh, in the future as well. Uh, if we if we if we do it right,
1: well, that's it, and it's part of the conversation now, isn't it? Because uh, marble is on the list of government assets currently under review. What what do you expect there?
0: Well, I think that we got to put it in perspective. Right now, provincial government subsidizes uh, the ski hill to the tune of around a million bucks. Um, we spend more in Cornerbrook on our civic center in subsidy. Uh, so for an asset. That really is a, a regional asset that, uh, that spurs a lot of, uh, uh, you know, a lot of economic uh, activity in our region. It's a very minor investment, and I think, given the right uh, ability to uh, to govern itself, I'm really pleased that uh, the, the provincial government has restored board members uh, from the west coast here back on the marble board. Um, uh, because, of course, we understand the situation here on the ground better than anyone. And uh, so it's important, I think, that there's local control and governance here. Uh, but you know what? Given the right investment, uh, this, like other assets that uh, that, the, that the government or the federal government has owned, could become very successful. And I'll give you an example that I always use. I'm on the board of the Port Corporation here in Cornerbrook. Uh, That port was divested some years ago from the federal government to a non-profit corporation. And it was given a time frame uh, under which investment would be made, but it would end. So, uh, so much per year to continue on, improve the infrastructure, but at a certain point knowing that that subsidy would finish. The board and staff they are appointed. They have uh, again the credentialed people. They're people. They're lawyers, economists, people like that, who know what they're doing. And given a given that goal and, and knowing that timeline, we've been able to transform that port into a profitable, sustainable asset for our community and our region. And I think the same could be done with marble, quite frankly. So uh, I've recommended that option to uh, to government, and I think it is something that uh, would be a, a positive way to go.
1: Is that part of what helped to turn things around? I know we have no control over the weather, or we don't think we have control over the weather, if you know what I mean. But uh, yeah. getting restoring some of those uh, local positions on the board there and what appears to be a very energetic and, and exciting kind of um, season this past year, is that helping to turn things around, and does it bode well for the future of marble?
0: Well, it's still, I mean, I guess there is still, uh, uh, it's not really clear, at this point, there seems to be a desire for the provincial government to to privatize uh, the hill. Um, either way, I think that there is opportunity there. Uh, I think that if we if we do this right and we give uh, I guess hand the reins over to the people who know what they're doing and are they're able to explore options. Like one big one big thing with our ski hill, of course, is there are options when it comes to things like um, uh, ATV tourism. Um, as well in the summertime, uh, there's been talk for years about making Marble a four season resort, quote unquote. Uh, we, you know, we talk about those terms more generally for a lot of things, of course. But unless someone's given the reins and the and, and enough rope, I guess, to hang themselves, they never happen. So I think that if you give a, a group that has uh, some stake in this, which means local, and uh, and some safety net here to get things back in the right track. There's a lot of capital investment required uh, to improve the facility, um, but I think uh, the creativity is here, the energy is here. Um, this region is... You know is ripe for development when it comes to tourism we you know here at the city we're engaged in a regional uh tourism project uh, it's an initiative through tourism atlantic and a uh, called star so it's a strategic tourism for areas and regions and it's a regional approach to developing your tourism uh, uh tourism sector Marble is a key part of that. Uh, people come to Cornerbrook, they don't necessarily come to Cornerbrook to see things that are in our city, although they enjoy our restaurants and our hotels and our downtown. They come to hike, they come to uh, mountain bike, ATV, ski. Um, so, you know, I think there's a lot of energy right now and a lot of enthusiasm, especially coming into COVID because we really got a kick in the guts with COVID, of course. But I think we're ready to emerge, and there's a lot of positive energy to get things going here in the Humber Valley region.
1: It is amazing, though, as you as you're outlining it, how we haven't really explored or doesn't seem as though we've explored that that four season, those four season possibilities, because even as you're talking, you're talking about mountain biking and I'm thinking zip lining and all of those exciting things that really draw people to to the spectacular beauty that we have in this province, particularly in and around Corner Brook. uh, it's amazing that that hasn't really been exploited to its full potential. Watching the uh, Winter Olympics, of course, in Beijing and seeing all the training that our Canadian athletes have to do, you know, why can't we put a training facility in there in the summertime? Those kinds of things.
0: Yeah, no, there's a, you know, w- we, uh, we we hit below our weight, I think, here in uh, the Bay of Balance, summer Valley region for the assets we have, you know, and Marvel's part of that. We've had, uh, I always tell people, and my vision and the, the vision I think a lot of people here in Cornerbrook have uh, for 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 our region. From a tourism perspective, if you want to go, if you're coming to Newfoundland and you want to do history and culture type tourism, go to St. John's. If you want outdoor adventure, you come to Um And you'll go from there. I mean, all the assets we have here on the West Coast, right from the southwest in Codroy, right right up through the Northern Peninsula, Gros Morne, we're right in the thick of it. And the Bay of Islands, I think, is a jewel as bright as any of those assets. And it's just underdeveloped. Uh, It's underdeveloped right now. We don't have the amenities around the Bay of Islands when it comes to uh, accommodations or restaurants. But here in Cornbrook, we're getting there, and we want to work with our neighbors, and we think that, okay we are another substantial region where people could come and uh, plan their visit around and uh, i think uh, i think there is enough energy now to really make that happen
1: it always strikes me you know when you're talking to tourists and uh, first-time visitors to the province and they're talking about the Cornerbrook area and they always always somehow it comes out of their mouths i had no idea you had mountains
0: <laughs> it, it is amazing actually you're right um, uh, <laughs> mountains are a very important thing. Uh, it really makes the landscape interesting, but it allows for a lot of these activities you like talked about. Mountain biking is no fun without mountains, um, and uh, they, now there's ATV or snowmobiling or skiing, um, and you know, we've got the natural landscape here in Spades. We have. Hundreds of kilometers of woods, roads, and trails that are available to, to bikers and, and, and ATV enthusiasts. Um, you know, we have we have endless opportunities to hike and camp and do all those things. But what we have here in Cornerbrook is we've got the base camp. Um, so we have here in our downtown, uh, you know, Beautiful hotels. One I think one of the, probably the nicest hotel in Atlantic, Canada and here and Draw here now. Uh, but our other hotels are, you know, a lot of opportunity to come and stay in Cornerbrook and to plan your adventure from there. But we've also got um, I think, the most diverse uh, food offering as well. We have world-class sushi. We have, you know, Vietnamese and Thai and Mexican. And we've got all, the, all of these kinds of restaurants. And, and also, of course, you know, the chains and things. We have fine dining. Uh, it's great entertainment. Uh, all the bars uh, and the theaters, uh, music culture. This is the, uh, the soft nights you talk about when you talk about those active days and soft nights. When you're out, you go and hike, you go out and bike, and then you come back to the downtown and enjoy your evening with your friends. Um, that's why we think we got something special right here.
1: And watch those beautiful sunsets over the Bay of Islands.
0: Yeah. It's, you know we, we, we live in the best place in the world. We all know that, in Newfoundlanders. Um, and we want to share it with everyone. And uh, I think in particular, uh, I think we've got something special here. So uh, you know, we're trying to make the most of that. And the best part about it is it's not only good for tourism, it also means it's good for a quality of life and attracting immigrants, and newcomers, uh, at attracting our, our, our kids and grandkids to stay and build uh, businesses and, uh, and, and their lives here and uh, help, you know, I guess, focus on some of our demographic challenges.
1: My guest today on On Target is Corner Brook Mayor Jim Parsons. And Jim, you mentioned the ATV thing. We're going to talk a little bit more about that and uh, some of the exciting things that you're doing there when we come back right after this.
0: Join us for On Target, one hour in which Linda Swain examines topics that mean the most to you. On Target, weekday afternoons at 1 on your VOCM.
1: My guest today is Corner Brook Mayor Jim Parsons. And Jim, it feels like a million years ago now, but you and I discussed the city of Cornerbrook's attitude, I suppose, towards ATVs and how it was embracing the use of ATVs. You see a lot of people coming and going through the region on on their machines, and you wanted to capitalize on that. So you've embraced this idea of allowing ATVs in certain parts of the city and making the most of it. And we talked about you developing this festival around that, and then COVID hit. (laughs) So jigs and wheels is a go.
0: Yeah, the uh, we uh, a couple years ago, I guess we had planned. Uh, well, in twenty nineteen, really, we started with uh, come home Year celebrations here in the city, and uh, we had a summer. Uh, well, you know a ten day period where we had a lot of uh, uh, you know unique events. Um, And uh, including things like, uh, you know, street festivals, music on, like, we called it uh, Blame It on Broadway, a night in in our downtown area. We had a big car show uh, on West Street with thousands of people and free music, concerts in the park, that kind of thing. And uh, so uh, it it worked really well, and we plan to do uh, the similar thing again and of course COVID and um, we wanted to combine it with uh, two of our sort of interesting strengths here in the region which I was just talking about the ATVs and uh, as well as mountain biking and uh, so you know there's the part of the outdoor festival where everyone wants to uh, get past COVID and celebrate and, and enjoy life again what's what's the purpose of everything right and uh, so we wanted to incorporate ATVs in a strong way, and so uh, we're looking at now a ten-day, uh, well, it's two weekend festival. The first weekend focusing on some ATV events, and we're looking at doing some interesting things, uh, potentially like scavenger hunts or poker runs through the city, uh, a, a street festival type event like Blame It on Broadway, where in the it's sort of the you know downtown bar district kind of area. Uh, featuring some outdoor music sort of a mini George Street Festival kind of thing uh, where you would see uh, music, uh, people be able to, uh, to go out into the streets and enjoy a, a beverage and that kind of thing um, and, uh, and then throughout the week have, uh, have uh, you know, special tours and rides and, and uh, uh, mountain biking events and uh, the next week having uh, things like, again, open up West Street and close uh, close down West Street to uh, traffic and invite uh, a car show and, um, and again, concerts. Rig Fest is in town at that point as well, which is very popular here. It went over really well last year when it was here. Uh, And, uh, yeah, like really get out and celebrate again. It's time to kick-start things. In, uh, from a tourism perspective.
1: I was going to say, what's a good Newfoundland get-together without a scoff? So you've got oh. the Ribfest happening.
0: Yes, yeah, so Ribfest, of course, comes through uh, our uh, region, and uh, it was here last year. We put it down at Margaret Bullwater Park, and so we're looking at a similar thing again. It was very popular, but we're hoping to uh, incorporate music and, uh, and uh, a beer tent featuring uh, some of our local breweries. Um, uh, we've got great product out here from a, from a beer perspective and what goes better uh, with ribs and uh, beer and music
1: I know in some municipalities where you have this sort of urban-rural kind of clash, so to speak, mm-hmm. um, some municipalities have struggled a little bit with, uh, with uh, dirt bikes and ATVs and yeah. that sort of thing. It's become a bit of a problem in some areas, and municipalities are dealing with that. But Corner Brook has decided to embrace that. How? Why did you decide to go that route, and how does it work?
0: Well, I think that you know, seeing what was going on in other municipalities, as you mentioned, um, it is any time you try and prohibit activities, it's very difficult. And it's in, almost impossible to provide perfect enforcement, uh, especially on the outskirts of the uh, city. Now, Cornerbrook is, is in some ways fairly compact and, and relatively, uh, there's much more, it's a city, you know, as opposed to a, a town that's more sp- is spread out. So we didn't have a lot of uh, problems when it came to um, you know, the downtown areas as such. But along the edges, as, as the city and the, sub- the the subdivisions meet the more rural areas, um, it was unavoidable that people would use their ATVs um, from time to time. Now, personally, I believe uh, that you have to you know, treat any behavior like that with a risk mitigation strategy. You're not trying to prohibit it. And if you say you can't do that, well, that doesn't just make it not happen. It's still going to happen. So let's talk about doing it in a responsible, in a safe way. And it's something that, okay, we have a large user base here among the residents. It's not a tourism thing specifically, although from a tourism perspective, it can mean serious dollars and room nights and hotels and restaurants and those sort of things. But if you go through a lot of the, our streets and residential areas in Cornerbrook, you'll see a lot of people with uh, snowmobiles and ATVs uh, in their backyard. Um, it's a very popular pastime here in Atlanta, and Cornerbrook's no different. And since we enjoy such a beautiful you know, network of roads and, and trails and outdoor areas just at our doorstep, people, uh, people enjoy that. So we wanted to, you know, create, first of all, create a route, start baby steps, we did a route through the downtown so we could get you through the city, which was a problem for a lot of the ATV touring uh, touring groups and, and, and tour operators. And then we've slowly, you know, expanded that a little bit to get so you can get to the hotels and the, and the downtown area. And then what we did last year, we added uh, the ability to uh, get a permit so, if you want to take your vehicle from your uh, home, say, and access, get access to the uh, uh, the approved route, you could get a permit for that. And um, it, it went over really well, um, and it's been knock on wood, we've had great success with uh, with uh, people abiding by the rules. Um, we've had. Uh, Good relationship with the RNC in terms of enforcement. And uh, we've taken what I think is a very responsible approach to this. And it's paid off. And people and the industry, uh, the user groups, they enforce, they self-enforce and encourage responsible riding uh, in city limits. So it, it has worked out really well. And uh, yeah, we uh, couldn't be happier with it. Then.
1: I guess it's been hard, though, to really gauge the true full potential of this because a lot of it has occurred during COVID. But has it proven to be successful? Do you have any good indicators that this could really take off if
0: once, you know, things return to, in quotations, normal? Absolutely. And and even, in fact, during COVID, uh, we've seen from some of the hoteliers especially – uh, giving us feedback, uh, showing us, uh, you know, posting the pictures of uh, of uh, all the vehicle, the vehicles uh, parked in their uh, garages and their parking lots, uh, talking about the number of room nights that they're getting, and we're and we're talking it's significant, like hundreds of room nights in hotels because of this initiative. Um, and it's in some ways, you know, last year was a difficult year for a lot of hotels when it came to things like um, the bus tours. Uh, ATV filled in a bit of the gap, so it's uh, it's something that I think is is just getting started. Really, uh, it's uh, it's very popular, but uh, what I like seeing is is that the businesses responding and taking advantage of it. Um, you know, really, our tourism industry is built on the private sector, not government. We can only do a little bit to put our finger on the scale. It really takes the tour operators and the accommodators and the restaurateurs, and the bar owners to make it happen. And uh, um, it's encouraging to see them take advantage. It's
1: been a lot of talk about uh, regionalization lately, and I want to talk to you a little bit about that when we come back after the break. My guest today on On Target is Corner Brook Mayor Jim Parsons. We'll be back right after this.
0: Saturday morning, join us for the Irish Newfoundland Show. Send your request to irishnl at vocm.com or submit them online at vocm.com
1: and my guest today is the mayor of Corner Brook Mr Jim Parsons and Jim there's been a lot of talk of course lately about regionalization um, what has corner brook been doing in that regard and, and what's your approach to that
0: well i think it's a, i mean it's a really interesting difficult issue, something that's been uh, attempted to be tackled here in the province for, for decades, really. Uh, here in Cornerbrook, we're the big brother around here. Um, we're much bigger than any other municipality in the area. Uh, the Hub of services, of course, the regional health center here. Um, and, uh, you know, we've always uh, explored ways to cooperate with our neighbors if, uh, if there's some benefit to both sides. Uh, so, for example, uh, we provide water to uh, two of our neighboring municipalities. Uh, we take sewer from, uh, from another. Uh, we have, uh, you know, the uh, regional tourism framework that we had talked about earlier, STAR. That's a regional Bay of Islands type approach. Um, our rec center that we're constructing now, we just started construction on massive structure, but it's designed to be part of a regional uh, uh, facility, something that everyone around this area uses. Um, So, you know, we've also explored uh, fire services, for example, uh, and finding ways to uh, work with other municipalities on that. So, You know, there are economies of scale to be had here. Um, If you know where the city has the ability to provide services without expanding uh, its number of employees or other costs, we should be taking advantage of that. I think, and um, we've tried to take advantage of that for the most part. Uh, So it's it is interesting, and 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 there's some there's a lot of debate uh, in, in the municipal sector about how. Regionalization should occur. I think generally, um, people think that it makes sense for towns and uh, to share services where they can. Um, but uh, it's a very complex, a very difficult issue. And you know, we, as a bigger municipality, we were concerned at first. We don't want to have any services forced on us that we already provide um, and we, we wouldn't be able to control uh, so um, you know it's it, it is a complicated thing for sure.
1: Well yeah and you've just outlined some of the difficulties there and of course I suppose if I read between what the lines of what you're saying there you don't want those services downloaded on Corner Brook you want it to be kind of a mutually beneficial thing.
0: Well, I think that, you know, we are always happy to enter a conversation to share services. Um, And, you know, obviously the city can't do it without compensation, so uh, that wouldn't be responsible for us as, as, you know, the the councillors in the city. But um, I, I just... I just want to make sure that the services that uh, that are des- going to be designed to be regional, um, they don't. Uh, we're not forced to take part if we already provide them. So, uh, as it sounds right now, and uh, as I understand it from conversations with government and the documentation, the uh, the seven eleven municipalities, the seven municipalities over eleven thousand, um, are de- are not part of any kind of uh, regional governance system. Um, That's my understanding currently. Um, That's not to say that they couldn't provide services to regions or or interact and and come up with deals that way. Uh, I think that's a good thing. Um, But but it is going to be challenging. I think there's no one size fits all there is. Every neck of, of the woods in our province is different um, there's different sizing this palace with different needs, different expectations of services. Um, you know, there's some inequality, I think, of uh, who pays for what. So, um, you know, regardless of where you are in the province, you do, you should bear the burden of some costs, things like provincial roads um, or, and things like waste disposal, not necessarily picking up at your, uh, at your curb. But after that, of course, we have you know regional uh, service boards that are currently dealing with our waste. If you live in an incorpor- unincorporated area, you may not be paying for that right now, and you should be. But at the same time, if you live in an unincorporated area with your own water and sewer, you shouldn't have to pay for that. And you shouldn't have to pay for a dog catcher or municipal enforcement either. Um, so it's really getting that balance of... Okay, who needs to be included in these uh, these regional governments, and uh, making sure that we're not just adding another level of governance or bureaucracy, needlessly. Uh, so it is it is very tricky. This is why it hasn't been accomplished in decades, I think. <laughs> so I, kudos to the department and the government, the government, for really trying to push push this. Um, we do see through our, from our colleagues that are smaller municipalities. It's getting harder and harder to find people to step up to do, uh, you know, small councils and things like that. Uh, we're in a bit of a different boat here in the, in the city of Cornerbrook, but, uh, but there is definitely got to be some change come.
1: Are you satisfied with the amount of information uh, that's out there on what is being proposed and how it might work?
0: Yeah, the, uh, there's been a, a number of, I mean, it's been talked about for quite a while. Uh, we did have some more you know, serious consultations. There, were, uh, there was engagement through MNL and things like that as well. Uh, we've had meetings uh, in our municipality and some of the others in the region. We've had meetings with the minister and uh, in the, in the, in the, in the senior management at the province. Um, I get the sense that it's still a very much a work in progress. They're still seeking out, trying to f- figure out how it could work. They have a basic plan in place. I think that, uh, you know, the, the, the devil's in the details on this stuff. Um, so, uh, you know, I, I hope they continue to, uh, to focus on it and, and push it. But it has to be done the right way. As a province, we're really spread out. And um, we have certain regional centers that we concentrate things like our health care and education services in. I think we need to continue to do that if we want to. We should, people should be able to live wherever they want but it's difficult to provide services all over uh, this province. So we need to really pick our spots. I think we need to encourage people to move toward larger centers like Quarterbrook. Um, And that's the way that as a province, we can make it sustainable. Uh, So that's, that's what I see should be the goal of regionalization. And we need to make sure that that's what we're doing and not encouraging, I guess, uh, people to uh, to get more services that they don't necessarily want or need at a higher expense. If you know what I mean.
1: Indeed, and I know uh, there's already in place um, in, amongst many municipalities sort of agreements on regional fire and emergency services and that sort of yep. thing, and Cornerbrook has, you know, dealt with that over the past. Is that one of the difficulties in your area as well? Because I know there were some issues with Marble Mountain recently and other things have come up in the past, but uh, how do you expect that to be all sort of figured out and ironed out?
0: <laughs> well, it was individual deals. Like, yeah, there was the incident recently where... Uh, uh, Humber Valley Resort uh, was looking for a, 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 a service agreement with us to provide uh, services to the resort. Our council turned it down. Um, now, whether that'll come back again, I, I don't know. I hope it does. I think that I think that we need to explore those opportunities. Uh, we have like the only professional fire department in this in, in this side of the province, um, so we have. Great ability there, and, um, and and capacity, quite frankly, to provide that service uh, without without, I guess, uh, hurting our service delivery here in the city. So where we have those opportunities, we can get a few extra bucks to help us, because of course we're a municipality. We got to have a balanced budget. Um, we should look at those those opportunities, and and I think we will, as uh, as a city uh, going forward, seek those out and take advantage where we can
1: fuel costs. It's something <laughs> every one of us is dealing with right now, and municipalities are, get, are taking the hit as well. So I wanted to talk to you a little bit more about that when we come back after the break. My guest today on On Target is the Mayor of Corner Brook, Jim Parsons. We'll be back right after this.
0: Join Brian Medor weekdays at noon for a comprehensive update on news from every corner on all levels. Newsmakers, weather, and more. Join us on your VOCM at noon.
1: My guest today on On Target is the Mayor of Corner Brook, Jim Parsons. And Jim, I know the city is considering changes to taxi rates, and that's something the entire province is watching very closely right now, in light of the ever-changing cost of fuel. What's being considered there?
0: Uh, we've got a request from the uh, the taxi companies in the city to increase their their base uh, their, their base rate by two dollars uh, when gas prices, according to the P U V list, go up over a dollar sixty-five. Um, And uh, that, we noticed a motion at uh, Monday's meeting on that because it is a bylaw change for us. Uh, So it will be debated, discussed and debated uh, uh, at the next public meeting.
1: How are the fuel costs affecting city operations? And, um, you know, the local bus service, for
0: instance. (laughs) Oh, listen, uh, it is a a constant challenge uh, when you have a lot of facilities and vehicles and all those things. Um, You know, over the last number of years, energy costs, uh, we can count on them going on. Um, we've taken steps here at the city and at our civic center to uh, find efficiencies and uh, and and do improvements. So there have been a number of funding options, capital funding uh, opportunities, from particularly from the federal government to do upgrades. And We try to take advantage of those as much as we can. Uh, we have the ability at our civic center, for example, to do uh, uh, to utilize oil and or electricity, uh, uh, depending on how, you know, which one's more economical. Uh, So uh, it is uh, it is difficult for an organization as big as ours. uh, And it does add to our bottom line for sure. It is also, of course, a uh, like this taxi issue. It is a burden on uh, on our citizens here and on on taxi companies. Um, You know, it's a taxi companies provide. A very important service uh, here in our region people rely on them uh, for their daily business uh, as well we rely on them for our tourism sector Um, and as in I understand in St. John's there is some you know potential shortage of taxis or I hear I hear from my friends it's often difficult to get a cab sometimes Um, I think that's a trend all over the province so you know it's a delicate balance here and uh, i'm sure that uh, we'll come to the right decision but uh, we have to balance that ability to keep the taxi companies sustainable and viable while making sure that our citizens are are, are treated fairly and and can afford to get to their appointments to work to wherever they need to go um, transit here is a, is a, a again another important service that the city of cornerbrook uh, uh, provides. We provide it through a contractor, so we sometimes don't see the immediate effects. But of course, over the past number of years, uh, our costs to deliver that service have gone up substantially. Uh, uh, so you know, we've we've gone over a hundred thousand dollars difference just since I've been mayor in terms of our contract to provide those services. So. Um, Yeah, fuel. uh, We're seeing we're seeing this inflationary effect everywhere, and uh, it's something we have to deal with. And we're dealing with it in a situation where we derive almost all of our operational revenue through property taxes, which is uh, which is something that is not as uh, inflationary sometimes. So it's it's difficult.
1: It is, um, and I was going to ask you about your your own city fleet, for instance. Uh, have you been incorporating in electric vehicles into the fleet to try and reduce those costs? Or
0: actually, it's funny you mentioned that. I just saw in my email. Uh, there was a I think it was a tender going out for a hybrid vehicle uh, for one of our uh, inspection vehicles. Um, so, yeah, we've uh, we've uh, tried to uh, we have had in the past uh, hybrid vehicles and we continue to operate some of those. Um, we're always looking for, you know, these opportunities. We're seeing uh, funding opportunities now for transit and things like that as well, where there is an option to buy uh, hybrid or electric vehicles. And. Um, I mean, obviously, the infrastructure is a, is a, is one challenge for that, um, and it seems like there is still uh, some work to be done. Um, we don't uh, we we can't afford to be on the bleeding edge of some of these initiatives, uh, but we do definitely want to be on the leading edge. And uh, you know, for the most part, for our facilities, our new rec center again, we're working on a LEED uh, type certification uh, to make sure that it's you know very energy efficient. Uh, operating costs are what kill you. Uh, we do a lot of capital investments with the help of our federal and our provincial partners, but the cities and the towns have to operate the facilities and the vehicles and those costs are the ones that those life cycle costs are uh, are definitely the ones that keep me up at night
1: i know there are a, a lot of challenges all municipalities in the province right now are facing them but when i talk to you i feel that spark of enthusiasm that that i know there's probably days it gets you pretty down but you <laughs> you seem to have a lot of optimism you seem to have a lot of uh, a real belief in the city of cornerbrook and its future We got less than four minutes left. Give us a little rundown. What are some of the things happening in Cornerbrook right now in terms of business, economic development, tourism?
0: Well, yeah, I mean, my enthusiasm comes from uh, a a natural place. I I did grow up here and moved away for a while, but then my wife and I came back. She's from here as well. We have two young children. We're very invested in the community here. Uh, it's very, it, it, you could almost call it selfish, because we want our—we uh, want the place where we're raising our, our, our kids to thrive, and we want them to have nice things, and we want them to, to live in the best place they could possibly live in. We're seeing, like I said, a, a great deal of enthusiasm from our tourism sector. It's an area a number of years ago we decided to push on, and we can only do so much, but we you know, the city can provide some energy. So you're seeing little things, you're seeing uh, cues like uh, like our little train out here. I don't know if you've been on the street train.
1: Oh, I have friends who were there on, on the, oh my goodness, the pictures. Uh, we had, there were uh, our friends of ours with a little fella and uh, a little fella who doesn't know he's a little fella, if you know what I mean, he's well into his sixties. <laughs> yeah. They were just as excited, the two of them being on that train.
0: Look, if you don't smile when you see the street train, you're, you're a grinch. It's, but it's one of those things. It's a little thing, and it's been incre- it's beaten expectations in terms of how popular it is. But it's that kind of thing. It's the the big Corner Brook sign, the colorful sign you see, like the Toronto sign that we have in our downtown. Things like that, that have and the ATV access. Those little things have really, I guess, cued, I think have tuned our city in to the realization that. We live in a beautiful part of the world and we have great potential here from a tourism um, uh, uh, industry perspective, but our businesses see that too. And that's where, like I said, we can only lay the groundwork, but I'm starting to see the businesses buy in, the tour operators buy in and seeing the opportunity here. And as you grow those things, you'll see more. Our recreation center that we're just starting, started a couple weeks ago uh, up behind Grenfell campus. Uh, this is a $25 million aquatic center. It's going to be there for decades to come. Uh, you know, it's a beautiful modern facility with, you know, all the therapeutic pools and water slides and all that, the fitness centers and daycare. It's an investment in the community. It's something that you expect in a modern community if you want to attract people and keep them here. And uh, so, yeah, there's a lot of positive energy here. Um, we're seeing our new hospital is on, is going to be open in the next few years, uh, which is a major investment. Um, we have a lot of uh, a lot of momentum over here, and uh, so we're just trying to to keep uh, to keep the, the the foot on the pedal.
1: Jim, just a few seconds left. But anybody who's listening wants more information on on uh, Corner Brook jigs and reels wheels. Sorry, how can they get that? <laughs>
0: Uh, you can go to our website, of course, or our social media. Everyone finds us on Facebook these days, it seems. But cornerbrook.com. Uh, we'll be having more information, more specific information about jigs and wheels uh, very soon. But uh, you know what? Any time is a good time to come out and visit, especially uh, especially coming up now as we uh, we go from from our winter out of the what I call the dirty season into our beautiful green summer out here. Uh, so come out and visit. Uh, lots to do and uh, lots to do and see.
1: And Ryan's doing a bang up job on that social media. I got to say, uh, Jim Parsons. Thank you very much. Really appreciate your time this afternoon.
0: Listen, thank you so much for any time I can uh, promote our beautiful city. Uh, it's uh, it's a great opportunity. So thank you very much.
1: I'll expect that we'll be uh, speaking to you a lot more often in the days ahead. Thank you very much.
0: Okay. See you later. All
1: right. Bye bye. And uh, we'll be back tomorrow. Stay tuned for that. I got a really It's really interesting, Dave. I can't even describe it to you. It's so unusual and interesting. Anyway, stay tuned for that one. Uh, Thanks for listening, all.